Having a clear understanding of who Jesus is is vitally important for us. And remember, that's what Luke has been trying to present is a clear understanding of this is what you've heard about Jesus is true. I've investigated it. And here is the Savior that you've been given. And that's been my hope as we walk through the, the gospel of Luke is that we're reminded regularly and we see him clearly of who our Savior Jesus is. Now, some have taken what they've heard about Jesus and denied it. This can't be true. He's a fraud. Others are just waiting for a little bit more proof. Maybe, but I just need something more. And even in the church, we have the issue that we can often have a, a distorted view of who our Savior is. Because we like to fit him in a box. We like him to look like us, act like us, have the same ideas as us on all issues. But every one of us has the need of seeing a clear picture of who Jesus is. And so our sermon today is titled, Seeing Jesus for Who He Really Is. Seeing Jesus for who He really is. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. As we continue on in the Gospel of Luke, I'm going to read Luke 11, 29 to 36, and then I'll pray for us. As the crowds were increasing, He began saying, This generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. Your eye is the lamp of the body, when your eye is healthy, for your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care, then, that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light, with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated, as when a lamp shines its light on you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. And we confess it as we do each week as true and necessary for us. God, we thank You for the Savior that we've been given. We thank You for Your Word showing us the Savior that we've been given in Jesus Christ. Help us see Him clearly. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. The first thing from this text... And I want us to see is Jesus is God's greatest gift to His people. 
Jesus is God's greatest gift to his people. So last week we saw that Jesus uh, cast out a demon from a man and the crowd was amazed because the man had been mute from the demon. And he could now speak, and the the crowd is amazed. But in that crowd, there were two groups of people, the deniers and the doubters. Last week, Jesus addressed the deniers, the ones who said, this can't be uh, a work of God. This has to be a work of Satan. Jesus addressed that last week. This week, he's going to address the doubters, the ones who've come and seen What has happened? They've seen this work of God and they're saying, well, what else do you have? Show us something really big and then maybe we will believe. So he's going to address the doubters. And in this first first four verses, we're going to see just a reminder of the good gift that God has given to this world in Jesus Christ. So let's look back at verse 29 to 32. As the crowds were increasing, he began saying, This generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus says to the doubters, It is evil to demand another sign, to demand for more proof. And the reason is because they've seen all the proof that they need. They've watched Him cast demons out of people. They've watched Him feed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. They've watched Him heal people who couldn't walk. Restore sight to people who couldn't see and even raise the dead. And they're saying, what else can you show us? And the proof is it's right there before them. Everything that they needed to see concerning who this was, was right before their eyes. And so that's why Jesus is saying this is an evil generation to have God at work the way that He's at work right now, and to deny that this is God, to deny that I am who I'm saying that I am, this is wicked. And so He says, the only sign you'll get now is the sign of Jonah. Now, if you remember the Old Testament story, Jonah was a prophet of God. Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh, outsiders, Go to the outsiders and proclaim that God's judgment was coming because of their wickedness. And Jonah, of course, tried to run and was swallowed up by a whale and then sent back on mission 
after three days. And he was obedient. And he goes to Nineveh and says, Look, because of your wickedness, God's judgment is coming on you. And the people of Nineveh repented. The Scripture says from the king all the way down to the lowest of servants in Nineveh repented of their wickedness. And so Jesus says, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. That is, the sign of a messenger from God proclaiming the judgment of God coming if you don't repent. God has given these people His own Son to come and declare the truth to them and to call them to repentance and to call them into relationship with God and to restore things the way they needed to be. And it was time to repent. And then in verse 31 and 32, he continues on with that theme of judgment, referencing two Old Testament stories. One being Jonah and, and the people of Nineveh. But before that, uh, the story from 1 Kings 10 where the queen of Sheba hears of Solomon's wisdom and says, I don't care how far away it is. I'll go to the ends of the earth. I want to see this. I want to see what I hear that God is doing with those people. And so she goes and she sees Solomon and says, it's actually greater than what I've heard. She was amazed at what God was doing and recognized like God has given His people an amazing gift in giving them a king like you. And Jesus says, think back to that. There was an outsider. There was a pagan Gentile outsider who when she heard of the goodness of God and what He was doing with His King... She traveled to the ends of the earth to be able to see if it was really true. And she was amazed. She believed it. She declared it to be true. And he says, You've seen greater things than what she saw. Something greater than Solomon is here. There's a wiser king that has come. And you're still in denial. And so if you stay there, if you refuse, if you still hold on to those doubts and say, I just don't, I haven't seen enough proof, judgment is coming because the proof is right before you. And then the story of Jonah and the Ninevites. When Jonah finally is obedient to the call to go, and he goes and declares the message from God that judgment is coming. The, the people of Nineveh were some of the most wicked people. Historical records, not just biblical records, historical records have them described as one of the most bloodthirsty, horrific, evil people. And when they heard of God's judgment, they repented. These wicked outsiders... And Jesus says, you've seen something greater than Jonah. There's a greater prophet that's come. There's a greater messenger from God. It's, I'm His own Son. And I've come to declare the truth to you. And if you refuse to see it, if you continue on in your doubt, judgment is coming. Jesus is the greatest gift that God has given to His people. 
right? And, and Scripture speaks of, uh, of this. It uses language. So Romans 6 and 23, we see this. For the wages of sin is death, meaning what we've earned because of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has given us the greatest of gifts in sending His Son to die for us. John 3.16 uses that. We don't have it on the, on the screen, but a verse that many of you are familiar with. Right? For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Jesus was the greatest gift See, up to this point, God had given His people many things. He had given them prophets to call them to repentance. He had given them priests to be a mediator between them and God. He had given them kings. And in Jesus, He's now given them the greatest of gifts because He's given of Himself. Those gifts that had come before Jesus were all things pointing to the good gift that was coming in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the greatest prophet. He's the wisest king. Hebrews picks up that theme. The, the whole story of Hebrews is, is pointing out He's greater than all those things. He's greater than angels. He's the greater sacrifice. He's the great priest. I love Tim Keller speaking about that and pointing out how the Old Testament, all of those stories, all of those things were all just kind of a shadow pointing ahead to the good gift that was coming in Jesus Christ. And Keller says, Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Joseph who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed him and sold him. And he uses his new power to save them. If you haven't heard that clip from Tim Keller, I would encourage you uh, this week, look up Tim Keller, Jesus is, the truer, or Jesus is the True and Better. It is a wonderful clip, a couple minutes long, of him showing all of the ways that those stories from the Old Testament were pointing ahead to the Savior that He was sending for us. God has given so much to his people, but the greatest gift that he has been that he has given to us is his own son, Jesus Christ. And so since that's true, since the, the greater prophet has come declaring the truth about God, and since the greater king has come, let's be sure that we listen to him. Let's be sure that we are drawing close to Him and following Him in obedience. Because this Scripture is saying to refuse that. To continue on in doubt and say, I just don't have enough proof. Judgment's coming. But to come to Him, to believe in Him, to listen to Him, is the way to the blessed life. Jesus talked about that in the text last week. The second thing I want us to see from this text is this. Jesus is the light that reveals God. Jesus is the light that reveals God. Verse 33, back in Luke 11. No one lights a lamp and puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but on a lampstand, so that those who come in may see its light. 
And we've seen a similar statement if you've been with us through this series in Luke. He's made a statement very similar to this before. But what Jesus is saying here about the, the light on the lampstand is, the truth hasn't been hidden for you. You're sitting here saying, I need another sign. I need a little bit more proof. And it hasn't been hidden from you. Christ came in shining light into this world. Shining light in the darkness of this world. Shining light on our sin-filled hearts. And the evidence has been clear. He hasn't been hiding it. He didn't hide the light in a cellar. He didn't cover it up. He burst into the darkness. And He's been teaching them. And He's been performing miracles among them. He was the light in our world that was revealing God. The Gospel of John uses that imagery of light. All of John's writing actually uses the imagery of light. But John 1 We see these words in verse 4 and 5. In Him, and this of course is talking about Jesus, in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And then skipping down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, who is Himself God and is at the Father's side, He has revealed Him. Jesus is the light that came into the world, shining in the darkness, revealing God. That's what He came to do. Now, physically speaking, many of us don't like the dark, right? Uh, Sometimes it can feel oppressive. Uh, the dark, there's too many unknowns out there. Uh, our minds can start to play tricks on us in the dark. I remember as a child, one of my, I guess we would call this a core memory, one of the times I was most terrified, and looking back on it, it's silly, but I was most terrified because I woke up in the middle of the night and there was this faint light coming through the window and I could see a shadow on the wall. And what I was convinced was there was a black panther had come in my room and was curled up on the wall and was waiting for me to move. And I just knew if I move, it's going to pounce on me. It's going to devour me. And I laid there terrified until sunup. And then I finally realized... It was where I had thrown my jacket when I came in my room. I had thrown my jacket against the wall. But I was terrified in the dark because I didn't know. And so physically speaking, we are often afraid in the dark. That's why when the lights go out, people sometimes will make a groan or a sigh. People might even scream. It's usually children, sometimes adults. But we don't like the dark physically. But the truth is, Scripture says... Spiritually speaking, we do. Spiritually speaking, we prefer to remain in the dark. We prefer to remain in our sin. To not have the light reveal who we really are and what we really need, which is a rescuer, a savior. Jesus has come into this world 
as the true light. He's revealed God to us and He's instructed us in God's will and in God's ways. And He's shining in the darkness of our own hearts and He's calling us to come to the light. And so since that's true, since our Savior is the light who reveals God, we can come to Him. We can see God for who He truly is. And we can walk in obedience to the life that He's called us to. Places in the epistles use the language of saying, like we need to put away the deeds of darkness. Put away our life of sin. But that can only happen by coming to Jesus and letting the light of Christ fill us. And He wants to. The third point from the text today is this. Jesus is worthy of our unobstructed gaze. Jesus is worthy of our unobstructed gaze. Verse 34 to 36, back in Luke 11. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it's bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light, with no part of it in darkness, it will be entirely illuminated as when a lamp shines its light on you. The eye is how we see light. The eye lets light in. And through that, our brains can process and make sense of the things that we are seeing. And Jesus here is saying... Make sure you're seeing me clearly. Make sure you don't have a distorted view of who I truly am. It's time to see Jesus for who He really is. And we do that by seeing the Word of God, believing what God's Word says, By not doing that means we are remaining in the darkness. Right? So, in verse 35, take care then. That statement, take care, is another way of Jesus saying, be sure. Be sure that what you're seeing about me, what you've come to decide about me, is true. Because the evidence has been put forth. The Savior of the world has come. The Rescuer has come. The One that God was sending, that He had promised to send from the garden, has shown up to set the world right and to bring us back into a relationship with God. And Jesus says, take care that you have a clear understanding of who I am. Take care that you're really seeing Me clearly and don't have a distorted view Because with a clear view of Jesus for who He really is, we will be living in the light. But for us to do that, we have to keep looking at Jesus, right? Constantly gazing at Jesus with nothing distorting our vision. So Hebrews 12 uses that language. Verse 1 and the first part of verse 2, Therefore... Since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance 
and the sin that so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. Right? We've got a, a race ahead of us. We've got to endure the rest of this life, however long that it is. And how do we do that well? We do that well by keeping our eyes on Jesus and nothing else. And making sure that we don't have a distorted view of who Jesus is. I was listening to uh, a clip of Jackie Hill Perry speaking this week. And she was speaking on this verse, and she said, You have need of endurance. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Everything in this world wants to distract you from Jesus. Even false teaching is an attempt to show you another Jesus so that you don't see the right one. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And the challenge for us, church, often is that we see Jesus through a distorted lens. We see Jesus through a distorted lens that's distorted because of sin in our own lives. And we see Him through a distorted lens because of the way that our culture has shaped us. And so we can easily fall into the trap of having this distorted view of Jesus. Of Jesus surely looks just like me acts just like me. He clearly would vote just like me. He would only support the things that I support and He would be at war with the people that I'm at war with in this culture. It's easy to slip into that trap because we can easily have a distorted view of our Savior. And what we need, church, is clarity. We need a clear view of our Savior. The real Jesus, who He really is. So let's keep our eyes on Jesus. With nothing distorting our gaze, let's keep going to God's Word and seeing the Savior that's proclaimed here. The One that was promised all the way back in Genesis. And the One that's going to come again and set things right finally. Let's keep coming to God's Word. And see the Savior that we've been given. And let's ask the Holy Spirit, give me a clear view of Him. Help me see Him clearly. Not with a distortion. That's what we need is a clear vision of Jesus. Now, for those who are here who have not made up your mind about Jesus yet, whether you've been in denial, just like it can't be real, or if you've heard the things, and they sound great. The idea of a, of a Savior come, coming to rescue you sounds good, but you just don't know if it's true. You might be saying, I just need a little bit more proof. It's time to stop asking for more proof. And see Jesus for who He really is and believe in Him. Trust that God has provided a rescuer for you. God has sent His own Son to die for your sins so that if you would just come to Him and believe, you would have a restored relationship with God. 
And you would have eternal life with God. Jesus died in our place so that if we would believe in Him, those things would be ours. Would you put your faith in Jesus today? If you have questions about that, if you want to know more about what God has done for you in sending His Son, I would love to be able to talk to you. Now church, for us, it's time for us to make sure we're seeing Jesus clearly too. Not some distorted version. Not, not the distorted version that surely would approve of everything about me and condemn everything about my enemies. Let's see Him as the Holy Son of God who came to rescue us. The One that has shined the light in the darkness of our hearts and called us to live in that light. And not only that, but the One that has asked the Father, Father to send the Spirit so that the Spirit of God would dwell in us and give us the ability to live in that light. Let's ask God, church, to keep giving us a clear view Keep giving us eyes to see Jesus clearly. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Jesus. Thank You that You loved us enough that even though we are sinners who have turned our back on You, God, that You sent Your Son to bring us back. God, for any who are here who have not trusted in Him today, Holy Spirit, I'm asking You to work in their hearts and minds to see and believe. And God, for Your church, keep working. Thank You for Your patience with us. But give us clear eyes to see our Savior and to live in response to the Savior we've been given. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.